My real estate of things, friends, we are in for a real estate investor treat. If you want to learn how to grow a single family portfolio to over a thousand doors and all the things that it takes to do that, and then how you pivot from single family acquisitions and management into building new construction and building a company and processes of them building 300 plus homes of year, a year, uh, the pros and cons of building scattered site versus building in developments, or building uh, with an investment strategy of build for sale versus build to rent. You have to check out this episode with a phenomenal operator, Oren Segev. So let's get right into the action and impart some knowledge on how we do all those things and much, much more. You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate of Things Really excited for this episode just because it's with such a dear, dear friend of mine. Uh, Mr. Oren Segev uh, is somebody who has the entrepreneurial spirit and gift in his blood. Uh, he's been an entrepreneur in a number of realms, but specifically in a number of, of real estate sectors over the last uh, decade and a half at least. Uh, his bot owned, managed, um, repositioned over a thousand single family properties. And then over the last number of years, uh, has transitioned fully into um, new construction and has a, an amazing company in the Bright Homes family of companies um, doing uh, at least 300 builds a year and lots of other things in the works and a, a continued great leader, great operator, and again, a great friend, Orman. Welcome to the Real Estate of Things podcast. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right, man. Well, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on new construction, but I don't want to overlook, you know, sort of what I know is one of your starts in real estate on the single family side. So can you just walk us through um, sort of how you went about buying a lot of assets and your business strategy and the evolution of, you know, getting up to portfolios of over a thousand homes? So, yeah, around 2012, 13, you know, I moved to Florida. I moved my family to Florida because I thought there is a huge opportunity here to really get properties because of the amount of distress Florida I had in uh, 2012, 13. Um, you know, I had the fortune to uh, to really build a great team where where uh, we looked for creative ways to acquire properties from different distress situations. You know, we participate in foreclosure auctions, short sales. HOA foreclosures, tax deeds, and whatever whatever path we could to really get properties below market uh, market values. So in between 2013 to 2017, 18, we acquired about a thousand single family homes, where you know the main target was to um, to purchase, renovate, and, uh, and and keep them for rent. What um. It sounds easy when you say it fast, but building up a thousand homes, there's a lot of things that evolve over that time. You know, was it truly like a snowball effect that it just built up to that, you know, or were you really just coming out of the gates full steam ahead? Talk a little bit about sort of the, the ramp curve. Yeah, that's a great question, Nate, because um, actually it was, uh, you know, the first year that I moved to Florida, I was like quite slow. I couldn't really find, you know, the, the right place where, where, where I felt that the opportunity is incredible. Um, so I was really uh, investing most of my time into finding the, the place where I feel most comfortable in terms of like rent yields, uh, area growth, and, you know, uh, where, where I felt like I know the streets and I can really feel where, where the, the headwinds are going. So um, after traveling a lot in the state, you know, even though I lived in Miami, 
I travel, I travel to Florida, to um, uh, Tampa, and in Tampa, I found an area specifically called Newport Ritchie in Pasco County, and I got excited. Uh, at the time, you know, uh, Newport Ritchie area had 98% more foreclosures than anywhere else in, in the country. And um, property values were like selling in foreclosure auctions between thirty dollars to $50,000. So when I saw that, I was like, you know, it, that cannot stay like this for, for much longer. So it's like we went from zero to full speed in, you know, in, in less than one year. So technically, um, in, in March of 2012, I was in zero properties in, uh, in, in Florida. And then in December um, 30, 31st, by the end of that year, we already had like, we, we invested about $20 million. So we went from zero to $20 million in, in less, than, less than a year. And it was like quite crazy because, um, you know, because we technically the, the infrastructure in terms of like people renovating, rehabbing, um, it was not in place. So we were scrambling just, you know, we, we saw an opportunities, we charged forward and then we were kind of figure out how you were going to handle, handle the, the back office, the management, you know, the property software and software was not readily available as it is today between a folio property where it was all you know new companies that trying to figure out how to really get to the rental market so it, it was uh it was uh, quite an experience but you know after after we acquired you know doing all that i built a great team that was built you know under distress like sort of uh uh uh, fear, you know, that, hey, you know, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to do all that? So it was like, uh, it was like true fight. You know, we worked 14, 15 hours days. You know, I personally, you know, to the point of right now, you wake me up in the middle of the night, you ask me about an address. I will remember the floor plan. It was like very deep. We wrote all the work orders ourselves, you know, worked with so many different subcontractors and contractors. We put ads on Craigslist. We picked pick people up from Home Depot. We negotiated pricing with Home Depot to the point that, you know, over time we were able to uh, kind of build a, a pretty good process, negotiating great prices with vendors and, um, and kind of build it up. So it was, it was quite exciting, you know, the, the, the entrepreneurial spirit and grit that we had to show up to really deal with the, the massive growth. But we were very confident that, uh, that we acquired the properties really well. That's that always uh, is a, a good basis for a real estate investment business plan is the ability to buy right. You know, it's it's hard to get hurt and it buys you some wiggle room, I guess you could say, in a number of regards. But, man, uh, that's certainly zero to 100 or zero to 20 million very quick. And I'm sure a lot of learning lessons along the way. But I know you always emphasize the importance of team, people, leadership, processes, discipline, uh, but also, you know, needing to do what you got to do to get things done. So. It, it there was a point to then where you you had to have gotten attracted to new construction. We'll get to what you built in that realm, you and your team. Um, but why then did you shift to new construction focus and eventual business uh, versus sort of the scattered site Burr model that that, that you're running at a, at a at a big and fast speed? So yeah, so first to shift from uh, SFR 
to uh, to new construction was to me it was it's relatively um, natural shift. Um, you know, it was we in 2018. You know, 17, 18. You know, we we seen in the SFR everybody in the SFR space saw so the shift that everybody you know all the big Wall Street firms, big real estate funds. You know, Blackstone, American Home for Rent, you know, uh, American Residential Homes at the time, everybody were extremely aggressive. Um, so at the days where, where we could be the sharks of the foreclosure auction, whether, whether it was live or online, you know, we're over. So, you know, um, as, a, as, a, as a private, relatively uh, mid-sized kind of organization, we kind of need to figure out where we can be nimble and, and find opportunities and growth and and, uh, and and really build that infinite opportunity. And when you have you know all these big REITs coming into the foreclosure auction, completely dominating it, thinking about really long-term money, and we needed to be very calculated with our capital. Um, we we looked for opportunities for you know for uh, in, infinite opportunity. And and at the time, you know, it's like it was very obvious where you buy in a foreclosure auction. You know, properties that were well above at some point the the replacement cost of the houses. So, you know, we looked into opportunities to build homes for that we essentially can get a brand new home um, in less than what we buy. You know, a pretty broken down shitty property in the foreclosure auction. Um, so the shift to new construction wasn't easy. You know, uh, definitely there was like. Challenges. Uh, to, to me, you know, I have the tendency to oversimplify kind of business. Hey, no problem. You know, we just gonna we just gonna put this person here, this person here, and you know, and we're gonna. But and we thought it's gonna be an easy shift to new construction. It wasn't. Um, at the very beginning, we hired other builders to try to build our homes. You know, it's like property management. Nobody can do it better than you. You can do it yourself. So we we decided to really kind of shift, do it ourselves. Uh, struggled uh, building the organization for the first couple of years, and um, and you know that struggle really helped us really build fundamentally good business. So it started it started hard, but really what made us a lot stronger and better and and uh, positioned us really well. And today, uh, like you mentioned, we build on build on scattered lots, which is a very complicated business model. It's it's really not easy um, to really kind of shift into it, and there is a lot of learning um, uh, to build in in, uh, in scattered lots. Every lot is essentially it's almost like its own subdivision. You know, every lot has its own story between environmental issues, between the fielder that can be a surprise, and 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 different orientation with you know that already the, the kind of closed neighborhoods and streets. Um, it was a, it's not an easy shift, but we felt that um, there is a lot of opportunities in scattered lots. First and foremost, time to market. You know, we buy a lot. Um, you know, we close it within 30, 45, 60 days. And then, um, and then the time to obtain a permit, whether, you know, uh, it can be, you know, 60 days or at some markets where the, the lots have water and sewer, you know, um, we can really actually obtain a permit between two weeks to a month. So first and foremost, you know, well, subdivisions or developing subdivisions, some people get the entitlement development order and, and all these processes take them, you know, from the moment they put the capital out, you know, can take them two years just to uh, 
to really get into the vertical and in uncertain environment where we've seen a bull market for so long, you always really kind of need to be kind of uh, questionable, really what's going to happen. So putting a massive investment into subdivision, knowing that, you know, the timeframes are two, two years or more, we didn't really want to, you know, uh, really make that commitment. So uh, scattered lot was really a good solution for a quick cycle, buying a lot, getting a permit, and essentially in, you know, 2019, 20, where just before COVID, before the, the world got nuts, you know, it was a, it were real, relatively short cycle times on the construction time as well. So you could really, at, at times, you can really get a permit um, and build a home uh, in less than six, seven, eight months, which was, was really quick, uh, quick way to kind of build your, your business, get the revenues in, uh, allocate some funds into growth and really build fundamentally good infrastructure with people, processes, ex execution, and et cetera. So um, that was a really good kind of fundamental, uh, good, good fundamentally to build a business, good way to fundamentally build a good business. Well, look, I mean, I think as, as you listen to this, you know, you hear you built up a scattered site, single family acquisition, reposition and, and uh, cash flowing portfolio very, very quickly. I know you've done that very much same with new construction, but none of this comes as quickly as we would all want, uh, nor would it ever be as easy uh, and nor are you perfect at doing it. Um, and so there's certainly some comparables between sort of the two there. Um, but it, it, it's, it's just really unique to hear, you know, the, the way that you look at scattered site and in lot, because a lot of builders and developers, they always think go big or go home. Um, but you're looking at speed to returning capital, redeploying capital and executing on, on driving returns off of it. And it, it's, it's pretty cool to hear that's a unique niche, but, but with that comes certainly plenty of challenges. So, can you go into a little bit more of the detail on, you know, some of the specific challenges in building a scattered site model? Again, where you're producing, in, you know, 300 plus homes and products a year, that's 300 variables um, rather than having a chunk of 50, 100, 150, you know, in, in a given subdivision that can be a little bit more, you know, systematic or predictable, maybe you would will, you will. So hit, hit with a little bit more nuance on some of the challenges that you navigate through running this business model. Uh, for sure. So the, the, the challenges really starts with really understanding the lot, um, you know, um, so basically it's it's the height uh, and the amount of field dirt, you know, field dirt for, for us, it's been, you know, a huge challenge and really kind of navigating through cost. So, you know, underwriting the acquisition part of, of, of the lot, knowing how many, how many filters and, and what kind of utilities you have on every lot. Every lot, you can have one street that have water and sewer and, uh, and the street next to it and have a septic and well. So really understanding on the acquisition of the property side, you know, what are you buying? Um, you know, the, 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 the element of really the orientation, the street, you know, if you're going to have a rinky dinky broken house of your neighbor and you're going to put a beautiful brand new house, you know, next to it, you know, you need to take in consideration the comp values and the impact that your neighbor is going to have. Uh, additionally, you know, we we always kind of uh, try to um, to um, manage it as close proximity for our construction management to have a pretty um, manageable distance between building one home to another. 
You know, if, if right now we are working in areas that are like technically are 40 square miles. So if we're just going to scatter, the, you know, the old construction process over so many, um, so many different zip codes, it's going to be very hard to manage. Each CM for our business is responsible to building 15 homes. So we are trying to cluster an acquisition process, as many homes as nearby as possible. Um, and essentially actually make the, the streets look much better so we can positively impact the, the kind of the local community where we can have 10, 15, 16, 17, whatever the number would be in one street, one area. Uh, so we can positively impact and, and more importantly, we create our own uh, kind of uh, comps. Yep. So I know also, I mean, even managing all those zip codes and municipalities, I mean, that's got to be a, sort of a racket in, in and of itself, although I can imagine you get pretty intimate uh, with all of them, given that you still try to be as concentrated as you can. So, yeah, that, the, working with the local municipalities over the last couple of years was a, a nightmare. You know, uh, obviously, you know, they, and especially in the scattered lot market, because of the, you know, the other side of the scattered lot is really the, the the ease of really entering the market is, is you know, anyone that has $50,000 in the bank account and, and build a relationship uh, with uh, Lima 1 and 8 can become a home builder, you know, uh, relatively quickly. So, and over over the last few years, that's what we've seen happening. A lot of mom and pop, you know, a lot of uh, uh, people that have a general contractor license that went ahead and obtained uh, a general contractor license, went ahead and, and really started starting building in scattered lots, which created uh, in today's environment where, where, you know, affordable housing is such a massive need. Um, we've seen such a significant influx and the local municipalities didn't really um, have the capacity to, uh, to manage the, the, such an influx. So the time with working with the municipalities, code changes, weather changes, um, you know, uh, it, those those are the things that we kind of needed to adapt, build a team to really understand things intimately with the local municipalities that we can adjust and be nimble enough to um, to really work with them pretty closely. Uh, it's it's interesting, man. I can only imagine uh, how things have gotten more challenging through COVID and, and probably not even gone gone much back to the previous state. Um, what what I'd love for you to explain here uh, to the audience is the the product uh, that you build because it's it's unique and uh, I won't steal your thunder. So talk a little bit about specifically your niche and what you're building. Thanks, Nate. That's, uh, that's uh, one of the things that I can say here in the organization we're most proud of, um, you know, and we see and, and we at this point, we can actually kind of pat ourselves on the back and, and really say that our product really make it made a difference, um, especially in today's environment where, where absorption and sale is, is, is a lot harder. You know, we can see that the differentiating uh, aspects of our, of our product really make a difference. So we build um, we build net zero, zero energy ready homes where technically every home that we are selling comes with a standard of energy efficient um, elements in the house where the house with solar panels consumes um, produce more energy than what it consumes and uh, and the home buyer that buying the, the house from us really going to have zero to very very minimal electric bill on a monthly basis 
And for us, from a, from a business proposition standpoint, it gives us the option to upgrade every home with solar panels where we, where we have the, the, the ability to really make some, some sort of markup on selling solar panels on every single home. And more importantly, the, it's actually a win-win with our buyers because they, one, get you know, the immediate return on investment by getting a lower monthly cost in their mortgage on the um, on the home ownership costs um, by really having no utility bill on the on the power. At the same time, they get seventy five up to about seven thousand six seven thousand dollars in immediate tax credit when they acquire their home from us. Um, and the house is designed beautifully designed where we're completely popped in any one of these scattered lots uh, kind of neighborhood. So you 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 see that people are simply willing to pay more for a differentiating, beautiful product, modern looking. Um, and even in today's environment where interest rates are, are higher and a customer, the customers still have the option to choose between, you know, a very basic uh, offering of like the DR or the Century um, complete style of homes where we can, can get homes with $40,000, cheaper than ours. They are willing to pay the extra dollar for a unique, beautifully differentiating product uh, that is good for the environment as well. No, it's uh, it's unique. I know you've been committed to it. Um, an another thing I just just want to have you enlighten us on is you've been you and your team have been very disciplined on building set models. And I forget if it's a, it's around three or four. And so you can elaborate. But 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 what is what does that do benefit to you? And why did you make that decision? And tell tell us a little bit about that. I think that's the, the one of the, the main elements of really um, overcoming some of the challenges in building in scattered lots. Um, we are building only three whole, three models primarily. We have four models, but the fourth one we, um, you know, we hardly building. So basically, I would say eighty percent of our builds are two two models. We don't offer any upgrades, any changes. Uh, we have the set same set plans same set finishes and for us we call it the fully upgraded model um you know we we, we build a great product and we cannot have the, the time uh, investment into customize you know um the, the elements in the house um for every one of our buyers so if uh, you come to us and say hey i want you to take the wall and i want to upgrade the floor you know, we are not your, your, your builder. We are simply going to build the same exact thing all the time so we can really have even flow construction uh, and build as effectively as possible. And it's helping our, our builders, essentially, our general contract, our, our CMs in the field. They know intimately every element of the house, every element of the, the floor plan, design, finishes, features. And uh, it's helped us avoid a lot of mistakes and it's very scalable. Um, customize at home would make it virtually impossible on scattered lots. So I have so many moving parts. It's going to open, uh, open, open a flood of, of opportunities for mistakes. Yeah, no, I think I think it's just really unique and commend you and your team for just being so disciplined in it. But, you know, where one may say, oh, well, you're not giving me the ability to make this my home and customize to me. You're also compensating for that by differentiating the product with net zero and the solar upgrades. And so the combination of the two, to me, that allows you that extra marketability 
um, to where someone may want, but I want to make it my custom home. And I'm sure that's why you, you still continue to drive a lot of demands. I think it's it's just important as, as we listen to this, it's like you're, you're looking and just knowing you, your strategy and vision is all about building for scale. And you can only do that when you can really control and predict a lot of the elements of it. What, what would you say in your business or some of the other, you know, really disciplined processes that enable you to scale to this size of building on scattered lots? So, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, it, it's really, you know, I'm going to be a little corny here, but it, it's really about building the, the, the dream team. You know, it's uh, it's starting with uh, the fundamental infrastructure here in the office, you know, uh, with hiring the right people in the right seats, um, you know, between the purchasing department, permitting department, you know, having the best the best players that basically have the experience, have the knowledge, hiring people that can, uh, you know, that help us, you know, learn new things. You know, technically, you know, I, I, I didn't come from the home building. Uh, business and I'm competing with companies uh, that you know have been over a decade in this industry. You know, you have some of the dinosaurs of of uh, the Paltis and the Lanars and DR, the publicly traded ones in every market that we are in. That has been in the business for over a hundred years. So we we needed to hire um, really great talent, um, and and it starts with the talent and with good people. We you know, we, we can overcome some of the challenges. Um, and, and to stay scalable, is like you said earlier, Nate, it's all about, you know, staying true to the business model. You know, uh, I get opportunities all day, every day. Hey, you know, come here and build this multi-million dollar home for me on the, on the beach of uh, Naples. And you can make two, $3 million on one home. Why would you really, uh, you know, build 50 or 60 of them uh, instead of just building one beautiful custom home? So it's really all about just staying true to who you are. We are, we are um, spec builder. We're going to stay who we are with our model, knowing that, you know, we, we are comfortable with our product, keep differentiating with our product, feeling good with what we provide to our buyers and, and, uh, and not really very out of it. So, so uh, again, I just always love to hear it. And it's just, it's oh too often overlooked in, in all realms of real estate investing, how important it is to be disciplined because man, there's a lot of shiny objects out there and a lot of distractions and there's a lot of ways to make money. And so, you know, it's not to say that just because you say discipline in one, that is the one and best way to do it. Clearly, you believe that for your team, but you also need to stay consistently disciplined and committed to it so that you can gain these economies of scales, refine your processes and deliver good returns. So with that, I know historically you're, you know, been built a sale model, but I'm sure you've been asked probably only about a million times like, Orin, why aren't you doing build to rent? And I, I know there's been some of that too. So I, I got to have you break down a little bit of, you know, Orin's analysis over the last number of years and even looking forward on build to rent or build for sale. Uh, that's a great question, Nate. Obviously, you know, uh, from, from I come from the SFR space. So basically the SFR got me into uh, uh, the building business. So, you know, uh, it's a great question, but um you know it, it really nobody has a crystal ball on the market and and essentially um you know i think that um our business was designed day one uh to create some sort of edge 
So the disciplines that we developed here is saying, hey, you know, we want to build a business that's going to grow infinitely. At the market, you know, obviously the, the, the noise in the market, you know, interest rates, Fed, CPI or whatever report, you know, shouldn't really impact us much. The things that we should really stay true to is really our own discipline. And, 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 uh, and really, we, we're going to make the best out of each market. So we felt, um, you know, that over the last couple of years, you know, the, the game of real estate is buying low, sell high. So we felt that the market was giving us great opportunities, margins that would never, we felt like, you know, it should be as hard as it was to build in the last couple of years. And cycle times were a lot longer and managing supply chain was a lot longer. But property appreciation was pretty significant in the last couple of years. And we felt, all right, you know, we have such a great margin. We don't know if the property values will keep rising in, in, in such pace. We want to make some money. And that was the choice in the last couple of years. But we are very comfortable having an edge that if the market starts slowing down and absorption is slower, you know, we have a product that will give us the option to really build for rent. Um, obviously, from my standpoint, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a win from both worlds, right? Like uh, having, you know, the shifting into rental is, is, is a great opportunity to really uh, mitigate some of the tax consequences and, um, and really keep, keep building the wealth when the market is, is slowing down. So today, in today's environment, we are, uh, we are leasing more properties than what in the past. Um, and, uh, but absorption has been very strong and margins are relatively high still. So we cannot playing right now, build for rent, build for sale. And we're doing both. I mean, like you put yourself in an opportunistic position to be able to do that. And, you know, I, I could imagine that with a build to sale model historically to get you up into this point, to be able to be able to, to be opportunistic. I mean, you sort of had to keep driving, you know, heavy sets of revenue to then build up uh, a big team, big infrastructure that enables you to move at this pace. And then again, now have the, the ability to opportunistically, hey, we're building at the right price. Uh, one thing I've always loved about your model is being truly in that affordable realm. And what was technically the affordable price point a couple of years ago is a lot higher now, but still in the affordable realm. Uh, and that just allows you as the market changes, there should always be demand. Uh, whereas maybe a couple of years ago, you were in the entry, you know, entry buyer market. And as rates have gone up, you know, it's sort of maybe the, the middle and upper levels have come back down. And so as you build affordable, there's always sort of either, either end of a buyer spectrum to, to create some demands. Um, and then we all know that, um, you know, we've become somewhat of a rentership nation, that there's always rental opportunities, as long as you have sort of the sticky capital uh, to be able to do that. And then also to continue to, to you know, uh, reinvest some of that gasoline in the engine and continue to go and grow. And Nate, sorry to interrupt you. I just want to add on that point for a second, because that's one of the advantages that we have in the in the, um, in the scatter lock market. So when we're building subdivisions, you kind of set the stage on what type of models you want to build all the time. So if you um, already obtained permits and did the horizontal and engineering and you pick the product, it's very hard to really make changes. Um, and, you know, in 2021, 2022, the market was so hot. And our goal was to build as big as, the biggest models that we can build. So the highest, uh, we, we were building two models, which were the 1983 square foot and 2306. 
In 2021, 2022, those were great models because they were the highest margin for us and the most profit uh, that we can really hit, uh, make in every home. But now when the market starts shifting and slowing down, we start really, uh, because of the scattered lot market and the ability to kind of go ahead, reapply for permit, the short cycle, we, we started really building smarter models, smarter model and, and, and looking for places where we can dispatch the home so we can be a perfect edge for either going um, to lease the properties with a decent cap rate and uh, sell the homes with really good product and just, you know, smaller homes. It's, it creates that flexibility and, and again, gives you that ability to be opportunistic. So on the for sale side, um, things have certainly changed in the market. Like, you know, the pandemic threw everything for a loop. But um, what, what's changed in your business model um, when there was really no product on the market through the pandemic and HPA was a super strong wind behind you, uh, where arguably the longer you waited, actually, you could probably sell for, for more. Whereas today's market shifted, HPA isn't really a thing, you know, in certain markets, certainly, certainly there's still, um, you know, home price growth, but how are you selling properties different than versus now? So, you know, Nate, um, I, I, awesome question. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, we, we kind of got spoiled, you know, the market really kind of helped us, uh, help us to avoid some of the challenges that you know in a normal market environment we should deal with like we in the last two three years we didn't think about market you know you you place a home on the mls and you get multiple offers beating war in every home that you built and that kind of make you to some extent fat and happy with the the <laughs> the focuses of uh, that you need to place on this position so with the with the market uh, with the market kind of slowing down, uh, you need to really go and grow back the skills of really disposition and, and building a great exit strategy. So in 2021, 2022, we minimize our marketing uh, marketing department. Very minimal content creation, very minimal uh, ad spend or marketing or uh, social media spend. SEO, very minimal. We didn't really put a lot of emphasis into it because homes, you know, were, were selling too easy. So uh, since uh, I would say uh, June, July last year, when we kind of sense that the market is, is slowing down a, a bit, we, we kind of rebuilt these processes and enhance our marketing presence and, you know, doing some more ad campaigns and, you know, going back and, and, and really present our, our product, you know, so it's going to be more people will, would be able to uh, um, be exposed to our model. I can tell you that over the last few months, 50% of our sales were really came from our own internal marketing uh, campaigns, uh, which is great. You know, uh, it's actually great to see that we kind of were able to rebuild that, that skill. And I actually think that from a, from a nimble, relatively smaller uh, uh, builder mentality um, versus the big dinosaurs in the industry, the big, uh, the big, uh, huge publicly traded companies. I think this is where we we have our advantage, you know, because they 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 did not change their the same methodologies of really how to sell homes. So social media marketing campaigns, ad spend, you know, creative messages start being creative again on, on the marketing side is really the advantage that we 
you know, the smaller operator have over the, the, the big publicly traded builders in, in the industry. They are very, very slow to adapt in terms of marketing. They, the only way that they know to really increase absorption is adjusting the sales prices to a lot lower sales price because they have the, the capacity to do that. Yeah, and I think we saw that in Q4 2022 when everybody needed to pump up revenues. And so what did, what did many uh, publicly traded builders do that many people didn't actually see or talk a lot about? They just pull pricing down just to dispose of it to pump the revenue into the quarter of the year. And, um, you know, it's sort of like the Titanic, like you may see an iceberg, but to move the Titanic takes a, a lot more time and preparation. Whereas when you're able to be a little bit more nimble, you, you have that flexibility um, and, and always, you know, pro, pros and cons with, with each. I just want to add on that point. I want to tell you that I'm extremely proud of my team here. Um, that, you know, when the market in, in towards the end of 2022, you know, big builders were lowering the prices pretty dramatically. Our, our, we didn't really look to compete on price. We kind of shifted their mind and said, you know, the fact that they are going to cut $40,000 because they can doesn't mean that we should. We still need to stay very stick to our disciplines, our product, believe in what we do, and just give the value that we want to give. If it's great service, if it's a great product, if it's really just simply engage. If we used to engage, you know, with five people a week, now we need to engage with fifty people a week. But we're going to make some some close. Uh, we're going to close homes, and 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 frankly. You know, our absorption, you know, in the lo local market was just as good as the big ones that really lowered their price by $50,000 because they had to make the quarterly quarters. It's, it's, it's impressive. And uh, again, I think process, discipline and commitment uh, has allowed you to do that. So I think one of the, the, the last questions I want to sort of ask you here, um, it's a little bit of crystal ball, but I want I want to sort of specifically ask it in this way. So. In Q2 of 2023, as we look forward, is it going to be easier, and we'll say for you, is it easier for you to build um, homes or was it easier, build and sell, I'll say, or was it easier in the past? What's the prediction there? You know, it's like, uh, you know, as in the home building business, the last, there wasn't anything easy, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. And, and so in almost every angle you look forward, it's not going to be easy. Um, because on one hand, you know, interest rates come down, demand is going to increase, you know, people would be able to buy. Obviously, we all know that there is a lot of buyers sitting in the sidelines right now waiting to get into a home that cannot simply cannot afford with current interest rates. So if, if um, Fed pivots and interest rates goes down, um, obviously, sales demands will increase. Sales demand will increase, will hurt us again on the supply chain side and the cycle time. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, on the other side of it, the exit strategy, obviously, we're going to go back to uh, increasing margins and, uh, you know, and, and, um, and taking longer cycle time. So we just need to focus on the same, all the things that me and you talked about in this podcast is just stick to our principles, stay disciplined, you know, uh, keep working on, on our, ourselves, you know, where, what can we do better, how we can hedge the risk minimize our exposure, stay more liquid, manage ourselves into a, a market that have a lot of uncertainties and just stick to what we do best and keep improving our staff, people, processes, transparency, technology, and all the things that we can do from a business management standpoint. The market is uncertain. 
So we are not going to go and attacking the market aggressively. We're just going to stay true to the absorption. We're still going to list the home in the same position where where you know uh, are not going to really look for pre-sales. Uh, you know we're going to uh, reduce the amount of pre-sales and reduce the amount of uh, exposure overall that the business is in until we're going to have some you know more certain environment where we feel that we can push forward. And I think uh, what, a, what a great way to summarize uh, a lot of the principles that you talked about. And it just shows sort of why you've been able to successfully scale, you know, in single family scattered uh, acquisition and, and, and portfolios all the way into and through uh, new construction, man. And so I just uh, appreciate you imparting your knowledge and insights here. Um, you know, and, and it's it's interesting to, to re-listen back to the answer you just gave. It's 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 never really easy. So if anybody thinks it's easy you're probably going to be in for a surprise here. Um, but but you hit all the principles that you need to stay focused on. So, man, Oren, uh, just blessed to have you here. Uh, I, we got a lot more to pick your, your brain on, so I'll be bringing you back. I, I know I got to bring a, a number of other people from your team because I'm just always impressed with the people you surround yourself with. And, um, man, thank you for being on the Real Estate of Things podcast here and uh, sharing why you've been successful in your team as well. Nate, thank you for having me. You are true... Uh, an example for me and what you do and the way that uh, the knowledge and the experience that you uh, uh, share with all of us uh, in the industry. So I want to I wanna show again my respect to you. I learned a lot from you. So we appreciate it. We appreciate the relationship. And uh, I, look, I look forward to see you soon. That's a wrap. We just covered a lot of ground on building a single family acquisition and portfolio company to building a very high power, scalable new construction business and numerous different things on how you do that both good, challenging, and how you overcome all of that. Make sure you check us out every Tuesday on The Real Estate of Things for a new episode with a new sponsor and operator to impart some knowledge on you. Subscribe on your favorite platform. You can always check out all things about The Real Estate of Things on our website, www.realestateofthings.co. More fresh episodes to come. We'll talk to you soon. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable common sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.